Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are Jalen Ramsey headed to South Beach, Jimmy G finds a new home in fabulous Las Vegas, while one player finds a home in Las Vegas, another Raiders on the move to New York, a big-time running back in Dallas is let go. What an opening weekend in March Madness, recapping the first and second rounds of the tournament. Down to 16 teams who will keep their college hoop title dreams alive. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. We're here on a Thursday night. Got the TV on catching this uh, Michigan State-Kansas State game, so hope you guys are too. We're, 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 we're loving it, baby. March is, yes, is a sir. great time, so... Um, but before we get into some of our March Madness talk, we're going to uh, stick with the NFL, some more some more big free agency news to, to kick us off here. Uh, like Matt said, uh, Jalen Ramsey headed from the Rams to the Dolphins. Um, Matt, what do you what do you think of this move? Uh, good, good move or, uh, for the Dolphins? Bad move? What, what do you think? Good move for the Dolphins. All they gave up was a 2023 third round pick, number 77 overall, and they gave up a tight end, Hunter Long. But, you know, Ramsey, for his career, he's been one of the better better cornerbacks in the league. He's got 452 career tackles, 19 interceptions in seven seasons. And he's only gotten better. Actually, last year he had career highs in his tackles and interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like this guy's on the downward of his career. He's right, right there in his peak. Right. You're, you're getting a, a corner like that that can be the future for a third rounder. Right. You know, I'm all in on that deal for the, yeah. For the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, considering that, you know, the Rams uh, just a handful of years back in 2019 traded for Jalen Ramsey, uh, you know, from Jacksonville. And they got, you know, a first round pick in uh, two first round picks in 2020 and 2021 and a fourth round pick in yeah. 2021. So they had to give away, you know, pretty much the farm somewhat to, to get, to get him to come to LA, um, you know, and, and turn around and, and somewhat get rid of him for, for very much, you know, much less and still yeah, yeah. somewhat at the, at the, I think at the prime of his, of his career. Um, and yeah, he's going to be, you know, going to be paired up in Miami with another uh, all pro corner in Xavier uh, Howard. So Dolphins going to be uh, going to be tough there, you know, in the AFC East, obviously, that whole whole division, uh, you know, the Bills have been kind of the the, the statements or the elder, elder statesmen of the group, you know, kind of dominating the last several years. But some of those other teams, uh, you know, making some moves. Obviously, the Jets, you know, in talks to possibly get Aaron Rodgers. Right. They made some other, you know, free agency moves. So they're trying to improve. Obviously, had a really great year last year um, after, you know, having a really good draft class last year. Um, you know, bringing now bringing in some veterans, so they're they're moving up. So the Dolphins, you know, saw the opportunity that, hey, you know, we we got Josh Allen, we got you know possibly Aaron Rodgers in in this division. We better out better go out there right. and get get some corner help to you know lock these guys down. Um, and yeah, like I said, didn't didn't have to give up the give up the farm to to get them. So um, you know, the 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 Dolphins now uh, when it comes to draft time, they they got four picks in this year's upcoming draft. They got a second rounder, a third rounder a sixth rounder and a seventh rounder. So, um, you know, probably not going to, you know, possibly find some, some hidden gems and, you know, in between there, whatever, got a couple of, you know, early rounds in the second and third, and then finish it off with a couple, couple late round picks. We'll see, see what they do there. But, uh, you know, obviously I think this is a, the Rams are obviously starting to slowly blow, Rebuild, blow it up. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they saved about $6 million by, by trading Ramsey before, uh, June 1st. So, you know, cutting salaries, trying to get below that that illustrious uh, salary cap. They 
already cut other defensive players, Bobby Wagner, uh, Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, two of the two of the other staples from from the team last year. Um, so, yeah, I think this is just, again, a kind of a, a cost savings move for, for the Rams. They're trying to, yeah, slowly rebuild that team after, you know, again, somewhat going putting all their eggs in one basket. And, then, you know, it paid off. They got a Super Bowl out yeah. of it. But, you know, that also, you know, you, you deal with the consequences as a result of it. Um, yeah, being that much in rebuild or teams calling on Aaron Donald, you'd wonder. Right, right. Um, yeah, we'll see. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's one of those guys that, you know, wants to be in LA, but it would be, it would probably be one of those things. Like if he was somewhat on the chopping block or like the Rams were willing to, I, I, you know, he's talked about it before of just hanging it up. Right. I, I feel like he might be one of those guys that just says like, you know, I've won a Super Bowl. I've, you know, won defensive player of the year multiple times. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe he just hangs it up and you know, whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see yeah how, how far the Rams go mm-hmm. with, with, you know, trying to blow this thing up or, you know, rebuild. Um but yeah, I think um, you know, like like Matt said, Jalen Ramsey still still somewhat in the prime, you know, prime of his career. Um, you know, the guy was the third highest ranked cornerback last year according to Pro Football Focus. So um, you know, wasn't hasn't really been trending downwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still still you know playing playing well and you know really doing doing what he does what he does best, being that lockdown corner for him. Um, so yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. You know, the Dolphins. I think was definitely a, a need for them at that at that corner position. Um so they they address it in free agency and obviously can use some of those other picks or you know use uh some other opportunities to to go after, you know, some some other guys on that defense to shore shore that up. Um obviously they made the big trade for Tyreek Hill last year, um you know, and uh drafted Jalen Waddle, so you know, receivers wise, they they they're pretty pretty stacked on that offensive side of the ball. It uh, you know seemed at times their defense kind of let them down you know a handful of times so yeah, quiet, quietly building a contender for sure right yeah that AFC East is you know slowly slowly becoming a yeah a, a crazy division that uh, yeah overnight could be could be from going towards you know maybe one of the worst to, to one of the best in the in the league so mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what uh, what happens obviously yeah Jalen Ramsey has never shied away from the spotlight anywhere he goes and obviously going to be under the bright lights in Miami um, you know the hot hot sticky muggy weather down there but uh, this guy's no matter where he's been obviously he already played for Jacksonville so he knows what it what it takes um, but uh, yeah this this guy has been performing no matter where he's at whatever team he's playing for he's he's showed up and played you know played well for him so we'll see what he what he can do down in down in Miami um, I, you know I think they're expecting big things out of him and I think the big thing for them is he's they're not getting him as a rental he's actually got three years left on his contract yeah. so they're gonna have him for that makes it even mm-hmm. better being a, just a third rounder right I mean, right geez. yeah so they got him you know got him under contract for at least a couple more seasons so uh you know you don't have to worry too much about you know about that so uh that that you know makes less of a distraction the guy can come in and just you know go to work so you know hats off to the Dolphins making you know making moves here in the in the offseason so We'll see how it, how it plays off for him, you know, uh, for for next year, next year, and uh, yeah, expecting big things. All right, well, more free agency news in the NFL, uh, more quarterback shuffling in the league. Jimmy G finds himself a new home in in Sin City. Um, that's right, uh, the, the longtime 49er uh, agreed to a deal with the with the Las Vegas Raiders the other day, three years, sixty seven and a half million, with thirty four million dollars guaranteed. Matt, what what do you think of this move? Good, good for the Raiders. 
yeah, I think it's a it's a nice stopgap move for the Raiders. I, I don't think he's the the long term answer there mm-hmm. in in Las Vegas. I, I think they brought him in this year, and I, I think he's kind of going to have the same situation he had in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So I think they're I think they're still looking to bring in a quarterback, a mm-hmm. young quarterback, to kind of develop to be their future. But yeah. this kind of you're playing it both ways here because you know he's good enough to win you some games and mm-hmm. he's good enough to be a starting quarterback right. in the league. So you're kind of playing with house money at that point if you draft a quarterback that mm-hmm. could potentially be a star. You right, know? Right. So I think it's a good move for the Raiders. And really only one year, like you said, only one year of that contract is really guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it, it, this was meant to be really a one-year deal. I right. know it says it's three, but – yeah, they're they're not they're not looking long term with this. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, it'll work out for them, but it also pairs him back with his old coach when he was uh, with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, there's some familiarity there. He knows the system, right? And so I think that'll be good. Kind of help him coach a young guy if they bring in a guy in the first round. Mm-hmm. They're what like the seventh pick in the first round. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a, a couple guys that could potentially be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the the quarterback out of Florida who's got right. a huge upside, right? A lot of potential there, and also the the quarterback out of Kentucky. Both mm-hmm. both options possibly there with that number seven pick. Right, and I, I think they go that way with one of those, and Garoppolo's just there to to groom him for the future. But but not not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we obviously thought you know the Raiders would be addressing quarterback somehow. You know, whether yeah, whether it is through the draft, through you know free agency, you know whatever. After you know Derek Carr, they they you know let him go. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, and then. Even Carr's backup, uh, Jared Stidham, um, just you know is getting ready to sign or will sign a, a new deal with the Denver Broncos to be the backup there. So the the Raiders were definitely in need of a quarterback. Uh, you know, didn't really have one that they felt great about. You know, on the roster currently. So you know, we 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 knew that this was probably coming. You know, we we just didn't know which which route. You know, the Raiders were kind of going to go. Um, it will be interesting to see what they do with that with that seventh pick. Um, you know, do they do they go quarterback? Are they looking for you know somebody that you know is going to get them into the future or you know a younger guy in the league, um, or or do they you know feel confident in, in Garoppolo and, and try to get him another weapon or get somebody on the defense? Because um, I, I don't think the Raiders' offense is is the problem. They obviously got you know Josh Jacobs. They got Devontae Adams. Um, several you know several other weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I think the defense is is probably where the Raiders lack a lot of talent, you know, at, at various positions. So do they, do they look defense with that, with that seventh pick? So it'll be interesting to see what they, what they do come here, you know, shortly about a, about a month away or so from, from the draft, uh, hard to believe, but um, you know, Garoppolo, obviously, like I said, spent the past five plus seasons with the 49ers um, after he was traded from the Patriots uh, back in 2017. Um you know, he threw for almost uh, almost fourteen thousand yards with with the Raiders. I mean, had a great, pretty good record. I mean, in sixty three starts, he went forty four and nineteen. I mean, yeah. they get the guys. The guy's a winner. Um, yeah, whether whether you can say it was him that was you know winning the games or you know the defense that the 49ers had, I think again, a little bit the, of both. The guy is, is good enough to go in there and win you win you some games. Yeah, is he going to throw it for four or five hundred yards? Probably not, but he's going to do enough limit his mistakes, you know, be, be smart with the ball. And I think that, you know, pair that with a good defense and, you know, you get, you know, get a team that can can win a lot of games and make some noise in the playoffs. And that's, you know, kind of what the 49ers have done uh, the last several seasons with uh, Jimmy G at the, at the, at the helm. Well, so, like you said about him being smart with the ball, the first career, he got 87 touchdowns, so only 42 interceptions. Right. So, you know, every two touchdowns he throws, then he throws an interception. Right, right. The biggest knock on him though has always been, 
those interceptions seem to come in the most Crucial inopportune times, yeah, times yeah. you know. Right. And it, it seems like the more the pressure gets on, he kind of wilts a little bit there under that pressure. So that, that's something to kind of keep an eye on. But, right, right. You know, the guy's had a good career. He, he deserves to still be a starter in this league right now. Right, yeah. And obviously the last couple of years has had, you know, some various injuries that have kind of kind of plagued him and, you know, has, you know, kind of knocked him and, you know, really kind of knocked off his consistency a little bit. I mean, kind of the last couple seasons or handful of seasons, he's missed 30 games with, you know, various ankles, shoulder, thumb, and, and knee injuries. So he's, uh, you know, He's gonna. He's been banged up, or has been banged up. Um, you know, offensive line for the Raiders. I'm not sure is is all that great. So we'll see. You know, see how that. You know, again, maybe another position that they fill with that yeah. seventh pick, or you know, decide what they what they want to do, or maybe they use that seventh pick and trade it and get you know some more the veteran capital. players or more you know more draft picks or whatever, and and try to address more positions. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, Jimmy G's kind of season last year with the 49ers um you know he played under you know they they somewhat put him on the bench you know somewhat said yeah you're not the starter anymore they they obviously the 49ers drafted uh you know rookie QB Trey Lance with their with their number 2 their number 2 pick um a couple of years ago um last year um and they decided you know it's time to finally give him give him the reins right. uh well that didn't work out so great uh, unfortunately you know Trey Lance broke his ankle in week 2 and, and wasn't really playing that great. Right. Enough of that. Either. Right. So, you know, thank goodness they, you know, somewhat had Jimmy G on the, on the roster, brought him back on a, on a one year deal. Um, and, and Garoppolo came in there and unfortunately he, he went down Incorrect. with a, with a, with a broken left foot. Um, so and then you get the story of Brock. Purdy yeah. Then you get, point. yeah, he get Brock Purdy that comes along, you know, the, the legend the you know, Mr. Irrelevant comes along and, Goodness gracious, what what a immaculate you know run that that he had with the 49ers. and eventually he would get hurt too. But uh, you know, yeah, just just a crazy you know crazy thing uh, you know events that that happened in the NFL. I mean, it's it's just crazy to think some of these guys. Yeah, you're literally one play or one hit away from you know being the starter or getting your opportunity. So it's I'll tell you if that if that run of Purdy's doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Jimmy G might find himself back in San Francisco because right, right. you know he was definitely playing better than mm -hmm. better than the rookie there in Trey Lance. Right, so. absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, and so it's just yeah, it's crazy to think how you know how how it works in the NFL. It's yeah, you got to get the 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 opportunity, the right opportunity at the right time, and uh, you know, Garoppolo goes down and Brock Purdy. You know, who would have thought the guy who got picked last in the NFL draft would <laughs> ever get to see the field in his rookie season? And uh, he did, and he made the most of that moment. So, you know, hats off to him. But, you know, um, Garoppolo, yeah, like I said, had a, had a great career, great run there in, in San Francisco. Um, we'll, we'll see what he can do in, in Las Vegas, whether he is the starter grooming the next rookie, you know, QB, or, you know, what, what his role is with the, with the team. Um, but, you know, I, I expect big things out of, out of, out of Jimmy. Um, like I said, he's got, got, you know, several big weapons on the offensive uh, side of the ball, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what this Raiders, obviously this Raiders team didn't quite live up the expectations, you know, like, like last year. Uh, so we'll see if they can, you know, get it turned around in Josh McDaniel's second year at the helm um, with a, with a new quarterback there. So, well, Jimmy G won't have one weapon to throw to yeah, right. on this, on that offensive side of the ball. That's right. Darren Waller, a uh, long time Raiders tight end headed to the New York giants via, via a trade. Um, Giants get, like I said, tight end Darren Waller. 
and Vegas receives a third round pick in this year's draft. Yeah. Uh, third, has, third round must be the new first round. These right. days yeah. It, yeah. You know, that's two high profile guys being moved for third rounders. Right. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, Waller has been one of those solid tight ends, uh, probably behind, you know, only behind, you know, Travis Kelsey and maybe even Mark Andrews with the, with the Ravens. But, you know, in, in, when you talk about Kelsey, you talk about Andrews, you got Waller's name up there as well. He's been one of the, the more solid tight ends. You know, unfortunately, again, injuries the last couple of seasons has really, really plagued him. Uh, 2019 and 2020, he went back-to-back years where he had over 1,000 yards receiving as a tight end. And then yeah, 2021 and 2022, uh, he only he only appeared in 20 games, um, you know, in, in the past two seasons. So injuries have really plagued him the last couple of years. So I think if he can be healthy, if he can stay healthy, He's definitely going to be a big weapon for 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 Daniel Jones there in New York, and something that that New York passing game has been missing is a, is a big target to throw to. Well, it sounds like that in, in injury last year was kind of the beginning of the end for him mm-hmm. here in, in yeah. Las Vegas because when when he got injured, instead of staying with the team, he flew out to California and mm. kind of told the team to stick it. He was going to oh. pay, pay the fine. He didn't care to okay. be, be in house. Yeah, kind of kind of grew out of favor there because they they didn't. They thought he lacked commitment to the team. So right. that was really kind of the beginning of the end for mm. Darren Waller mm. there in, in Las Vegas. And, yeah. You know, I, I can't say I blame him if, right. if he doesn't want to be there to rehab with the team and, and show that he's doing everything he can to get himself back on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I get it. You know, right. you're, you're afraid in a big time moment he's, right. he's not going to be there. Right, so, right, right. You know, I, I think if they would have moved on from a little earlier, they said last year they could have got a second rounder mm-hmm. for him. Uh, there was a couple teams offering that during the season last year. Yeah. And they chose not to take it. So right. it, if he really was falling out of favor at that point, they should have made the move then. I think they mm-hmm. cost himself a little bit of draft capital by, by waiting. But, right. You know, like you said, he's shown to be a, a great player. He's got 298 career receptions for 3,572 yards and 19 touchdowns right up there with, with the best of the tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. So, you know the, Gi- the Giants got themselves a good one for for a cheap price right. if if he's willing to put in the work and mm-hmm. he he wants to show commitment to the team. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. You know. And uh. Yeah. Like I said, big target for for Daniel Jones. Like I said, something that the Giants were missing in their passing game. Um. You know, last year their leading receiver only had 724 receiving mm-hmm. yards. So definitely leaned on a lot of that running game. Obviously, Saquon Barkley had a, had a phenomenal year for the for the Giants last year, but you know may have you know, overworked him or, you know, relied on him a little bit too much. Um, you know, defense is keying in on just, you know, Barkley getting the ball every time. So you, you do have to be a little bit balanced in today's NFL. Um, but yeah, like I said, big, big target. And again, another target that they're going to have locked down for the next come, you know, next mm-hmm. several seasons. He's actually under contract for the next four years right. uh, because he just signed an extension with the Raiders uh, actually last last year. So, um, you know, a guy that they don't, again, don't have to worry about too much that, you know, it's kind of a one-year rental or, you know, have to worry about contract discussions in the offseason or anything like that. The guy can come in if he really is committed to the team, wants to play. He's focused on that, not having to worry about, you know, contract negotiations and things like that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, on the flip side with the with the Raiders, what they do, uh, because obviously they have a big a big hole now at the tight end position. Right. Uh, the only two guys they got on their on their roster, guys by the name of Jesper Horstead and Cole Fotheringham. <laughs> uh, Horstead, he played 15 games last year, only caught three passes for 19 yards. Um, Fotheringham was a rookie, uh, but never even got on the field. Uh, so 
yeah, definitely, definitely a big hole, you know, left there with, with Darren Waller, you know, uh, being traded from, from the Raiders. We'll see what they do again, if they address that free agency, you know, in the, in the, uh, you know, in the draft coming up, uh, what, how they, how they kind of address that, um, but you know they they could see draft um, with the trade that they just you know completed with the Giants. They got twelve draft picks right. in this upcoming draft, so, so you, a lot got, of picks. Tight end's got to be on the board somewhere, right? Right, right. somewhere in there. I mean, I, I I'm not I haven't looked at the board to see you know what what the tight end prospects look like, you right. know. Uh, but you, you can always find one towards towards the late rounds, you right. know. And and uh, you know it's usually there's usually one guy that kind of stands out from the rest of the group or whatever that you know potential first rounder, but. Uh, you can still pick up a you know a decent receiving tight end or you know uh, tight end in the in the later rounds. So with twelve draft picks, obviously the Raiders got got the opportunity there. If that's what they yeah, they, got, they got a key on a guy from either Iowa or Wisconsin. They always seem to work out <laughs> right. Yeah, time, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll see see how the Raiders you know address that address that position. Obviously, uh, you know moving a guy that you know yeah again if he wasn't committed to the team, what's the point? You know right. having him. Um, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, move him to, to somewhere again, not in your division, not even in the same, you know, the same conference. Um, so it, it, it's a good move for, for the Raiders, obviously pick up a pick, a pick for him, maybe not as high of a pick as they could have gotten, but again, you get, you get something out of him better than nothing. Um, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out for, for the giants. Obviously that division last year in the NFC East was, was, you know, a tight race. So, any anything can can help you know the giants obviously made the playoffs and you know got a first round win um but you know we'll see what what they can do now with the with the big target um uh, if they can you know keep moving on in the playoffs and you know maybe even win win that division next year so all right well sticking with the NFC East yeah. going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and their recent roster move letting go of longtime Dallas Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott after 7 years uh, Matt, I know you're the the big Cowboys guy here on the show. I'll let you uh, kick it off here and you know give me your give me your thoughts on it. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll just go through this and you know see 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 what we think. Well, you know, I mean Zeke definitely had a, a good career with the Dallas Cowboys. He had 1,881 rushes uh, for 8,262 yards and 68 touchdowns. He's also good out of the backfield. 305 career receptions for 2,336 yards and uh, 12 touchdowns there. But, you know, over the last few years, his numbers have been steadily falling. Mm-hmm. And he just signed that huge contract. And right. I, I I can't blame the Cowboys for moving on. It, yeah. it, maybe if he would have offered to restructure or something, they could have kept him around. But right. at, at that price tag, with, with the with the insurgence of uh, Tony Pollard mm-hmm. and his his great uh, running back play the last couple of years, yeah. you, you, just, you can't tie up that much cap space in, in two running backs. Mm-hmm. They, they did what they had to do. Right. It's a Cowboys fan. You know, I loved having Zeke around. I'd love to still have him around, but not at the price tag he he had on him. Mm-hmm. And you know what, though? I, apparently other teams are kind of balking at that price tag, too, because he doesn't have a lot of interest in him right now. Yeah. Not, not a lot of people knocking on his door. Mm-hmm. Heard a couple teams he's potentially interested in is the Eagles, um, the Bengals, and the, and the Jets. The Jets were yeah. the other one, yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if any of those teams offer him a deal and, right. and what kind of deal they offer him. Right. I heard the Cowboys have put feelers out there about potentially bringing him back on a cheaper deal. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if, if he'd be willing to accept something like that or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Now out of those three teams, I think maybe the Eagles probably makes the most sense for him. Uh, you know, the, the jets, you know, they, they just drafted a running back last year and, you know, if he hadn't torn his ACL, maybe would have been, 
you know, NFL rookie, you know, offensive rookie yeah. of the year. Uh, so I, I don't see that, that being an option, you know, maybe, I don't know. We'll see uh, again. Is he willing to somewhat take a back seat again? You know, what, what's his expectations and what is he looking right. for? Does he truly believe he is still a start, you know, a running back, you know, RB one, if you will, mm-hmm. for, for a team, or, you know, is he willing to take on more of a, you know, running back by committee role that he had kind of the last couple of seasons there in Dallas. Um, and you think he wants to be an Eagle just so he can kind of shove it down the Cowboys. Right. Yeah, throat exactly. If, if he does come back and, and play great. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, like I said, I think the Eagles makes the most sense. Uh, the Bengals obviously got Joe Mixon. They, you know, locked him up for, for quite they a while. They did just lose P Ryan though, as, right. as their, their number two guy. Right. So that, that could work there as, mm-hmm. as a, their backup. Right. Um, and Mixon obviously has had, you know, some injuries here and there. So it's, it's, it's a potential. I just think, if you he's know, really, he'd, he'd love to be with all those ex uh, Ohio State Buckeyes down there. You got right. Burrow, you got um, the defensive end Hubbard, right. uh, a couple other guys, Eli right. Apple. So mm-hmm. guys, guys, he played with, right? So you know, he'd be comfortable there as well, in right? Cincinnati. Right. Um, but I just think, yeah, if he truly thinks that he's still, you know, running back one or you know the starting running back, I think the Eagles make the most sense. They lost, you know, Miles Sanders in, in free agency. Obviously, they had, you know, several other running backs that, you know, throughout the season were just as good, if not better than Miles Sanders. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think that, you know, to me makes the most sense. Uh, but I, I obviously this move doesn't come, you know, by no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was uh, set to count almost $17 million against the salary cap. Um, so by cutting them when they did, um, they save almost $11 million on the 2023 cap. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for 2024, they will take a, take a hit of about $6 million. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, cutting $11 million on a team that, you know, obviously is always somewhat strapped for cash just right. because they're always bringing in, you know, some bigger names and, you know, signing some big deals with, you know, Dak getting a big deal here recently and things like that. Um, and, and, you know, other, other players, you know, star players on their team, getting ready to be due, you know, big, big contracts, you know, something has to give. Um, and they just traded uh, for Brandon Cooks there out of the Texans. So. Right, right. Um, so, you, you know, and, and uh, you know, made the trade also for on the defensive side for mm-hmm. Stephon Gilmore yeah. as well. So bringing in, you know, some, some big names, you know, to, to shore up both sides of the, of the, uh, of the offense and defense. So, uh, you know, hats off to them, but yeah, I think it just makes sense. Guy making that much money, not putting up the numbers that you, you know, would expect or, you know, some of the numbers that he put up when he was a rookie or even his sophomore season. I mean, yeah. the guy's still a thousand yard rusher. It's not like his numbers were bad. It's just when you have a guy like Tony Pollard putting up great numbers as well. Yeah. You don't need both. It's a luxury right. to have both. And mm-hmm. You got other needs on that team. Right. Right. They had to free up the, the space. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, like I said, the Cowboys drafted, you know, Zeke back in 2016 with the number four overall pick. Um, you know, they, they they did that to, at that time, they thought they were going to prolong Tony Romo's career a little bit longer, you know, take some of the pressure off of Tony Romo, be able to hand it off to a guy. Well, unfortunately, uh, they only played a, they never, never played together. Tony <laughs> Romo got hurt in the, in the preseason and, uh, you Dak know, looked amazing. And, yeah. Dak came in as a rookie, led the Cowboys to a 13 and three record. And, you know, the rest was history. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you know, in that year, Zeke ran for over 1600 yards, um, and which was third most by a rookie in NFL history. So, you know, he, he, he came out and produced, you know, right, right away for, for the Cowboys. But yeah, you just, you just look at the last couple of seasons, just not the, not the same numbers, not the, the same guy that we were we used to seeing, you know, those first couple couple seasons in the in the league. Um, and yeah, like you said, with Tony Pollard, obviously 
little less tread on the tires, um, you know, coming in and, you know, being able to do somewhat a lot of the same stuff that Zeke can do at a, at a much cheaper price. Uh, it just, you know, makes sense from a, from a uh, cost point, uh, you know, Cowboys letting, letting Zeke go, but somebody will scoop him up. Somebody will grab him. Um, it, again, it, it all depends on what Zeke is looking for, you know, what he's willing to take. And uh, as far as money goes and, you know, kind of his role on the team as well. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll see what, what happens where he lands. Um, you know, like Matt said, he's got three teams he's, he is interested in or, you know, on his mind, but we'll see if there's other teams that, that are interested in him that, that, right. that aren't on his list. So, all right, well, enough NFL talk. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, stick with us. We're going to talk a little March Madness after we get back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. back thanks for uh sticking with us like i said i'm gonna talk march madness first two rounds are done we got 16 teams left so we're gonna gonna recap kind of the first you know first two rounds and then uh talk a little bit about sweet 16 elite eight who who we think is going to be in the the final four um and you know kind of kind of go from there so you know uh we had the luxury you know myself and the and the chief had to had the opportunity to go go to some games here, here in Columbus. Uh, you know, Matt, Matt did as well on, on, on the second rounds. So it was a great, you know, great atmosphere, uh, great games here in, in Columbus. Uh, we got to see the, you know, the big one, uh, yes, fairly high Dickinson, you know, taking down the Goliath and in, in Purdue, literally the Goliath with, uh, you know, the seven footer, you know, seven foot four guy in, in Zach Eady. Uh, what a, what a heck of a heck of a game that, that was. But, uh, like I said, we're going to kind of recap the first, you know, couple rounds, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, some of the teams that surprised us, some of the teams that disappoint us, you know, some of our winners, losers, you know, from the, from the first, you know, first, first two rounds. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get it kicked off here. And, uh, you know, for me, my most surprising team, you know, that's still, still left in the bracket, you know, still competing here. That's, that's the number eight seed Arkansas uh, with the, you know, overall record of 22 and 13. This team's finished below 500 in the SEC. It was actually one of the teams that we were talking about on the segment, you know, a couple weeks ago about being a bubble team. We weren't even sure if this team was going to even make it into the tournament. Here we are. They make it. They, 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 you know, met expectations and gone even, even further above this, this team out of Arkansas coached by Eric Musselman uh, is, is doing good things. They, they beat Illinois 73, uh, 63 in the first round and then took down the number one seed in Kansas by a score of 72 to 71 in the, in the second round. Um, you know, like I said, we weren't even sure if this team was going to make it, make it in the tournament. They did. And they're, they're continuing to play, you know, play great. Uh, obviously sweet 16 matchup with the, uh, with the four seed in, in Connecticut, uh, who's, you know, a surprise team there as, as well. But, uh, you know, we'll see if they can keep it going. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Arkansas has made it to elite eights two years in a row, looking to make it three, if they can win, you know, win against Man. UConn, which is, you know, I think, 
quiet, you know, a quiet, you know, quiet, you know, triple, you know, back to back to back elite eights for that Arkansas team. So, uh, you know, hats, hats off to them. You know, that that's, you know, to me, that that's been my most surprising team so far, Matt, what do you think? Uh, most surprising team, most disappointing team. What, what's your thoughts so far here? Well, you know, I'll, I'll do both and I can touch on it all in one game. Okay. So in that first round, to me, the most surprising team has got to be the Princeton Tigers. You okay. Know, they they kind of they started, they had a 21 and eight record coming into this thing and they knock off the number two seed Arizona, who's 28 and six. And then in the second round, they knock off Missouri mm-hmm. and they do it pretty convincingly, right. beating them by 15 points. Right. So, you know, this, this team's hitting on all they're cylinders they're, right they're now. They're legit. Play, playing great ball and you know it came really came out of nowhere and that's what leads me to Arizona being the biggest disappointment because you know yeah I know Purdue a number right. one seed lost for the second time right. ever right. to right. a number 16 but guess who was the first team to ever lose to a number 16 right Arizona now now they're one of the few teams that as a two to ever lose to a 15 mm-hmm. like this is starting to look really embarrassing on that right. Arizona side where mm-hmm. they they get into the tournament and they yeah. fall out early yeah not a good look for the university and just a terrible, terrible loss for, for that program. Right. Yeah. Uh, just a, a game that they looked all out of sorts in that one. Uh, you know, they, they average came into the game averaging over 80 points, only mm-hmm. scored 55. Uh, yeah, definitely. I don't know. Something, something funky going on in, in Arizona, but you know, did kind of limp into the, you know, won the PAC 12 tournament. So you thought, yeah, this team's finally, you're, they're getting it together. Right. You know, they've corrected all their you know mistakes or whatever. And then, come out in this first game and just, you know, lay a, lay an egg, um, you know, and then just never really looked in control in this game. Just mm. kind of let Princeton hang around. And, you know, I always say it is you let, I don't know, I wouldn't say a bad team, but you let a team that, that, you know, doesn't have much of a chance hang around. Right. They start getting that confidence, start getting in their mind. Mm. Hey man, we can play with these guys. We can yeah. win this game. You start, you know, the deeper you get into the game, the more the script flips where it's like Arizona now is, is the underdog mm-hmm. or they're, they're the low seed fighting for their lives. And Princeton's, you know, the, the, the confident one coming into this. So definitely if you're going to beat some of those, you know, the, the lower seeded teams, you got to start early and put yeah. them away early because if not, you yeah, let them you hang around. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's all sure. anything. Again, anything can happen in March. All it takes is a you know, couple of shots and, and it, it, you know, they're right back in it. So uh, but yeah, definitely disappointment, you know, in that, in that Arizona, in our Arizona team, uh, for me, my most disappointing team, and it's a team, my, my, you know, true, true to my heart. And that, that's the Dukies. Um, you know, they came into this game, obviously with a nine game, you know, came into the tournament with a nine game winning streak. They swept through the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, looked, looked great. Um, uh, you know, looked like they had finally turned it around. They play their first round game. They, they, you know, knock off the giant killers and Oral Roberts pretty handily and then come up against a Tennessee team that, I mean, they, I, and hats off to Tennessee. They that played defense great. Just they, suffocating. they played great. Uh, you know, they, they came out and literally punched Duke in the mouth, literally. Um, and, and Duke had no answer for that kind of physicality. You know, I, I thought they'd be prepared or more prepared for that game. You know, Tennessee in my mind plays very similar style to like Virginia and Duke sees them, you know, a couple times a year. I thought they'd be more prepared, but they just, yeah, uh, Tennessee came out, was more physical. Just, yeah, not a great showing for for the Duke, you know, Duke team. Obviously, you know, Shire in his first year accomplished a lot of things that a lot of first-year coaches don't, you know, don't get the chance to do. But I just thought that they, you know, were playing better, had really corrected it, gotten, you know, gotten it kind of righted the ship, would make a little bit further of a run in, in, in the tournament. But just, you know, 
Tennessee came out and, and played hard and, you know, wanted it, wanted it more than they did. So, right. um, well, but, we'll talk yeah. about your surprise team right now. I'm looking at the score here up at the game and UConn's uh, up on top of Arkansas, 34, 19 oh. here in the first half. So I like that, it. that, that three straight elite eights right. looking, may, looking, may not be in the car. Yeah. Here. Looking, looking pretty bad. I mean, not so good for my, you know, surprise team, but I did pick my dark horse for the final four in my bracket on our bracket challenge. I did pick UConn in the final uh, four. I actually so, have them there as well. So, uh, you know, I like I like that that they're they're up big. And, you know, just gotta 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 finish. So, um, but for me, I got you know a couple of other you know kind of winners and and losers. You know, after you know kind of going through the first round, first two rounds, and kind of a, a winner that I that I have, and it's a, a team that we got on the TV right now, and that's the Kansas State Wildcats. This team, before the season started, was actually picked to finish dead last in the Big 12. And now, after two rounds, they're, you know, one of only a couple of Big 12 teams even left in the tournament. Um, they brought in 13 new guys into the onto the team this year, have a first-year head coach, um, and wind up finishing tied for third in the Big 12 after, you know, after it was all said and done. Uh, they beat, you know, a Montana State team, 14 seed, and then went on and beat, you know, the the typical blue blood in, in Kentucky um, in a game where they got out-rebounded 44 to 25, uh, you know, just, you know, got got out-physical, but at the same time, they limited their turnovers. Only had eight turnovers in that game against Kentucky, had 20 fast break points, and they turned the, you know, stole the ball from Kentucky 11 different times. So, you know, I, I think this Kansas State team is is hot. They're they're playing well right now. Uh, it's a close close battle. You know, mm -hmm. see if they can finish it out against you know a Kansas State team. By by no means, I, I don't think anybody saw this Kansas State team, let alone making the tournament. But but making the run that they are, right. you know, in the in the, in the tournament. Well, so, but then the team they're playing really nobody right. saw coming either. Right. Cause exactly. This year in the Big Ten, they haven't exactly been giant killers. Right. They, right. they didn't play great all season long. Mm -hmm. Lost early in the Big Ten tournament to the Buckeyes. Right. So you know. I, I don't think people are expecting big things out of them either. So mm -hmm. both these teams in this matchup are really playing good ball right now. You know, mm -hmm. Izzo's got his boys always playing hard. Right, right. So, I mean, this this heck of a game, it's a four-point game right now. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it's going to come down to the wire like most of these Michigan State games have lately. Right, right. Um, and, you know, my other big, big winner, um, and it's not really a team or anything like that. It's actually teams. Um, it's actually the fans of teams. Uh, I saw an interesting stat. 12 of the 16 teams that are left in the in in the Sweet 16 have never won an NCAA title. Mm -hmm. So there's pretty good shot that somebody is yeah. going home for the first time with their with their, you know, first national title. A lot um, of new blood. You know, those teams by the way are Alabama, uh, Creighton, Florida Atlantic, Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas State, Miami, Princeton, San Diego State, Tennessee, Texas and Xavier are all the teams that have never won an NCAA title before. So a lot of big names that have been around for quite a while are always usually really good teams, but have just never been able to, you know, get there and get that, you know, illustrious title. Um, so like I said, somebody's fan base of some sort, more likely probably going to walk home with, really with a trophy yeah. um, and, you know, hats off, hats off to them. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what that does to the TV ratings, right? That, you know, because people are used to seeing those the blue, blue bloods, bloods and, right? Right. You know, are people going to tune out because mm -hmm. they they don't have the team they love to hate like Duke, you know, right? And things right. Like that to, right. To watch, even the teams that don't have a team in it, they yeah. still watch it because they want to watch. You know, the blue bloods lose it, or right. you know, whatever. They yeah. still want to tune in to see, hope that that team loses, yeah. or you know, whatnot. Yeah, we'll see what uh, what happens with with that. But you know, you know, kind of playing off of that. You know, for every winner, there's got to be some losers in yeah. this too. Uh, you know, and, and 
as well as we talked about Michigan State, the Big Ten again Ugh. falls apart. They get yeah. eight teams, eight teams into the field of 68, and after one weekend, we're down to one team, mm-hmm. and that's Michigan State. They're they're the lone team carrying the torch for the Big Ten, and they're um, on the ropes. And, and yeah, and they're they're on the ropes here. Um, I will say, in the Big Ten's defense, you know, you had Penn State who really put on a heck of an effort against mm-hmm. Texas. They took them to the right. wire. Yeah, they they had they had a very legit shot to win that game, and mm-hmm. nobody thought they did. Right. So, you know, they played above their heads. And mm-hmm. I would also say Northwestern really played above their heads. They right. took UCLA down to the mm-hmm. wire. Yeah. And, you know, so those two teams did show out right. good for the Big Ten in my mind. But right. it's it's the big guys, Purdue, that really kind of laid an egg. Right. Indiana right. laid an egg here. You right. Know, th- those teams are, are really what kind of was the embarrassment to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That That's what hurts. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then it's, yeah, tough to see because, you know, Michigan State, like I said, the lone team from the Big Ten in the Sweet 16, they got the same number of Sweet 16 teams as the Mountain West and the West Coast Conference. <laughs> right. So, you know, some other teams that, you know, you don't expect to get teams into the Sweet 16. I mean, you're somewhat tied with them. It's, yeah, again, but it's it's been the history of the, of the Big Ten here recently. It's, yeah, obviously this year another disappointment, but it's just been the continued, you know, disappointment. They, they get several teams in there. And then they 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 don't they do yeah. nothing. They, after they, the first they, weekend, they're, yeah, they're the, toast. They're, yeah, and so it, it's again just a continued you know kind of trend for for the Big Ten. So we'll see if they you know obviously Big Ten hasn't won a, a national title since two thousand one, I believe, mm-hmm. which is this Michigan State team was the last you know Big Ten team to win a national championship. Um, so you know we'll we'll see if if the drought continues. I mean. You don't like your chances when you only got right. one team. You and know, there are seven seed. Hey, right, right. So we'll we'll see there. Uh, you know, Matt. Any any other losers for you out of this? You know, out of the first weekend, or um, you know, kind of going forward. Yeah, I mean, really, a, another big fan base there. I mean, talking the the typical big seed losing to the small guy, and that's Virginia. Mm-hmm. You know, number four seed losing to a thirteen Furman, who I don't think anybody was talking about mm-hmm. really pulling an upset here. Right. And a lot of people had Virginia going rounds, possibly even beating Alabama yeah, so right. you know to, to lose there in the first round to a team like Furman that, mm-hmm. that sent a lot of fans home sad mm-hmm. and I'll tell you that, that's not a good look for them either but holy cow this Michigan State Kansas State Michigan State won't go away we're yeah. tied 50-50 here yeah. uh, at about a quarter of the way through the second 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 half so right yeah this game's just heating up Izzo baby he you know get his team to march and you know that's that's about all it takes usually you know him and Bayhunt usually are yeah. the ones that Find get, a way. Yeah, get their team. It doesn't matter how good they're, how bad they are. Get the march, and they find a way to, to you know, get the most out of the guys that they got. Um, and this this Michigan State team is just battling. They, they, you know, watching them, you know, live uh, the, the first couple of rounds. You know, this team just they're tough. They, yeah. they, they. You know, when they need a bucket, they get a bucket. When they need a stop, they get a stop. I mean, it, it's. They, they, they work almost like clockwork. Um, and then I think that's hats off to, you know, their, their coach at the helm there that's been there for so many seasons and, you know, has done so many things for that Michigan state, you know, program, but uh, and I'll give you one more loser from, okay. from the first weekend of games. Right. And it's the fan from Marquette that threw oh. a beer soaked, uh, <laughs> foam finger at the guy right beside us yeah, there Michigan after state Michigan gone. state beat right. him. So, right. You know that that that's a big loser from from this weekend because what a, what a what a bad look bad move for right. the fan base right yeah absolutely um, you know and 
obviously, yeah, not not you know what Marquette was expecting. You know, a lot of guys or you know a lot of people picked them to move on, be maybe a surprise Final Four team and mm. and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, just again, this Michigan State team come March, they're they're just you know they're ready to go. Um, yeah. So, all right, well, we're gonna you know then move on. Uh, like I said, we got you know a couple games already under underway here in the in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, we're just gonna kind of run through some of the some of the games, see who we think is gonna win. Sweet 16 matchup, and then who we who we like to then move on to, you know, the, the final four uh, out of out of the elite eight, you know, matchup. Um, so we'll start we'll start in the south over in the south region. Uh, number five seed San Diego State going up against number one Alabama. Uh, that game is actually going to be tomorrow tomorrow night. Uh, kicks off the Friday slate games, uh, six thirty p.m. Eastern time over on TBS. Um, like I said, in in the south, they're going to be playing over uh, over in Louisville, Kentucky. So kind of a kind of a short drive obviously or you know not too far from Alabama right. obviously quite a ways away from San Diego State uh, so I'd expect it to be more of a a hometown crowd or you know a little bit more uh, hometown feel for for Alabama but obviously this San Diego State team's pretty pretty tough uh, you know they they've you know won both of their games to get to this point uh, you know I think it's going to be somewhat of a David versus a Goliath or you know defense versus offense mm-hmm. in this in this game uh, Alabama comes into the comes into the game averaging 82 points a game. San Diego State only gives up about 63 points a game. So, you know, something's got to give. Right. But I think even if the game does get a little bit ugly or, you know, not as high scoring maybe as Alabama wants it to get, I think this Alabama team still has enough guys to, to get it mm-hmm. done. I just don't see enough offense being produced from this San Diego State team. I like Alabama to, to move on. They just got enough guys. Um, you know, it, it's crazy to think not that they really probably needed him, but in their first round game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, their best player, Brandon Miller, didn't score a single point. Right. And they still won by 20 points. <laughs> uh, obviously a lot lesser opponent, but you know, that, that just, you know, speaks volumes to how, you know, how good this Alabama team is. Right. Um, you know, so I, I think that they, they have enough guys that can score the basketball, can get, you know, get some clutch buckets, um, that they don't have to rely single-handedly on, on one guy. I like the Crimson Tide to, to move on in, in that game. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I really agree 100% with that prognostication. You got Alabama between the first two uh, first, second-round games. They're scoring about 84 points a game. Mm-hmm. We got San Diego State is scoring uh, about – looks like about 70. So, I mean, e- even if San Diego State's defense can stifle them, they've got to stifle them to the tune of about a 14-point differential. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. That, that's a lot of points right. to make up. Right. And if as long as both these teams are kind of hitting on the cylinders they've been hitting on this right. year, Alabama's just got too many horses and mm-hmm. they'll, they'll pull it off here. All right. And then the uh, second Sweet 16 matchup, we got the surprise, you know, like Matt said, number 15, Princeton, uh, with the overall record of 23 and 8, going up against the sixth seed, who I think is, you know, quietly a, a Creighton team mm-hmm. that's making a run here in the yeah. in the tournament. Uh, at, Small you know, giant, right? Overall here. record of uh, 23 and 12. Again, going to be played in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, after the Alabama game. Uh, Creighton's currently got a, you know, favored by about nine and a half points uh, the last time I checked. Um, you know, what what do you think, Matt? You like, you know, like you like Princeton's chances to move on or, you know, you think the Blue Jays right. from Creighton take care of business? Yeah, I think the clock finally strikes midnight on the Cinderella here for Princeton. The, Creighton's offense has been playing phenomenal in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they had 72 points their first game. They put up 85 in their second one against a, a, a good Baylor team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this team can score. They're, they're hitting on all cylinders right now in the tournament. 
And Princeton, they're they're playing hard. They're playing good defense, not putting up a ton of points. That that first round game, they only put up fifty nine. It mm-hmm. was enough to beat Arizona, who, like you said, only scored fifty five. Right. And that second round game, you know, they they did score a little more, scoring seventy eight, mm-hmm. but. I don't think they've got enough offense to get it done here against Creighton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Creighton's going to have the size advantage here. They got a big seven footer in Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's averaging a little over 15 points a game and shoots almost 71% from the floor. Uh, that's, you know, seven times out of 10, he puts the ball up, it's going in the hoop. So obviously, he's probably getting some pretty high percentage shots with that. With that, high that we could have said that same thing about Zach Eady and Purdue. It right. didn't seem to matter. Didn't seem to matter. But I think this Creighton team's a little more bound. They got a lot yeah. more guys that can score. They got some second and third options. If, you know, if Kulkbrenner gets into foul trouble, mm-hmm. they got some other big guys they can rely on there. This Creighton team's making, yeah, like I say, kind of a, a silent making their way to an elite eight here. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this will be a surprise. I don't know if Creighton covers the spread in this one. I think Princeton keeps it close, but I think ultimately Creighton hits some, some clutch buckets down the, down the stretch. They shoot about 37% from the three point line. I think that they shoot themselves to a, to a victory in this one. And uh, Creighton's one of those teams who they've been around the tournament mm-hmm, a lot. Right. So, I mean, they know what it takes to mm-hmm, win in March where right. Princeton hasn't really right. been here that right. often. So. Right. I think that could play play a big difference here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, if you know, if the two teams that we picked win this game, it's going to be Alabama, you know, the number one seed going up against the sixth seed in Creighton in that you know South Region kind of mm-hmm. final. Matt, who do you who do you like? Who do you think you know takes it in that one? Uh, I think it's going to be a great one. I think mm-hmm. maybe going to be maybe Alabama's toughest test to this point. Yeah, there'll, uh, there'll be a whole lot of offense going yeah. on in this game. Both these teams can score. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I really like out. You know, no, I I did pick them as my national champion, like right. many others did. Right. right, they've just they've got a lot of the intangibles, like you said. That first round game, their best player didn't score a point. Right, and they still annihilated their mm-hmm. opponent. Mm-hmm. So they they've got plenty of weapons. They right. could they can have other secondary options, mm-hmm. and and come March that. You need That's those huge. secondary yeah. options. Yeah. It doesn't get bigger than that. Yeah. So I, I think Alabama will just have too much for, for Creighton, but I think it'll be a phenomenal game. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect some fireworks in this one, you know, kind of an up and down, you know, back and forth battle of trading buckets, you know, back and forth. But I yeah, like like you, I have picked Alabama to win, you know, the national championship. <laughs> yeah. I like Alabama, you know, not only for my bracket say, but I just think this team really has played, you know, been mm. Out of all the teams, as crazy as March has been, as crazy as this college basketball season has been, Alabama has been one of those consistent teams. The mm-hmm. teams has been up there towards the top. Yeah, they faltered here and there, but it it's it, it hasn't been enough to say, man, this Alabama team. I I don't know what they're going to do when right. it comes March. They've been consistent. They got the guys that that can get it done in March. They've done it up until this point. I think they continue get get to the Final Four and, and see what they can do, uh, you know, in, in Houston at the at the Final Four location. Mm-hmm. All right, well, moving over then to the to the Midwest. Uh, again, these games are going to be tomorrow as well. Um, or actually, are they? I think I don't know. But anyways, they're they're going on at some point, either today or tomorrow. But uh, the Midwest, uh, we got the five seed uh, Miami at twenty seven and seven versus the number one seed in Houston, thirty three and three. Um, going to be playing over at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Houston currently favored by by seven points. Uh, Matt, what do you, what do you think? Uh, both these teams, you know, obviously Houston's been there. This Miami team, you know, has been kind of an up and down team, but you know, is playing really well come come yeah. March time. Yeah, I mean, really in this tournament, these two teams are averaging almost identical uh, points scored. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
you, you look at the opponents they've both played, Houston, uh, Auburn, and uh, Northern Kentucky. Miami's had a little tougher road. They had to, to play the underdog, or Drake, who a lot of people actually thought could, could pull well, They went down to the wire. Yeah. I mean, they didn't that, pull away until right. the last kind of 30 seconds yeah. in that game. And that, that game was, was close. But that, right. I'm saying, they, they faced a little stiffer competition there. Right. And then they had to play an, an Indiana team yeah. who was one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And took so, care of business there. So, you know, they, they definitely played some, some stiffer competition. Mm-hmm. But Houston's defense all season long is just – they're a stifling defense right. and, and come March, I think defense is what makes the difference. Mm-hmm. You, you hold a team below their averages and, right. and they just get flustered. They don't, they don't play like they should. They get sped up mm-hmm. by good defenses. And I, I think that's, what's going to ultimately be the difference here. Houston yeah. gets the job done in the close one. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting. Obviously Houston comes into this game with some, some health concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their best player, Marcus Sasser, uh, didn't play in the in the uh, you know their conference tournament championship and it and it it showed Memphis you know handled somewhat handled Houston pretty pretty easily in that one so obviously they got to have him out on the floor to to really have a chance but uh, dealing with kind of a, a groin injury kind of off and on throughout the tournament has you know been in and out of the lineup or whatever I think obviously he's got to be there at least out on the floor don't know that he necessarily has to be a hundred percent but you know at least has to be out there for them to have a real good shot obviously leading scorer for him on the team, but even I think their other guard or one of their other big men is is dealing with an injury as well. Uh, so we'll see what the health status of of him, you know, looks like. Uh, but you know, I just I really do. I like this defensive team for for Houston. They're only giving up a little over 56 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hurricanes, while they do score a lot, they do have a lot of weapons on the offensive side. Their defense is is atrocious. Uh, so I, I think Houston's going to be able to get whatever they want, you know, on the offensive side. I just don't think that Miami's going to get enough stops uh, to to be able to slow this Houston team down. And, and I think Houston has the guys that can play physical that can, you know, limit basically Miami to one shot, you know, every possession and and just really, you know, kind of suffocate them. Um, I like Houston to to move on and and you know move on to the to the Elite Eight. Well, then a big one, another big one in that Midwest region, one that I'm I'm looking forward to, and that's number three Xavier at twenty seven and nine, going up against number two Texas at twenty eight and eight. Um, Texas currently a four point favorite. Um, this one, I don't know. This one I think is going to be a high, a, toss, affair, yeah. a high scoring affair. Yeah, high scoring affair. Both these teams playing really, really well uh, coming into this one. Uh, you know, Xavier I think has been maybe by their own doing, been a little bit battle-tested. They had that close, you know, close matchup in their first round of game against, you know, Kennesaw State, um, and then, you know, knocked off Pittsburgh, you know, a surprise team that made it to the, you know, to the second round, um, you know, out of Pittsburgh. And, you know, it was a close game up until, you know, the last, you know, several minutes of that game. You know, Xavier didn't put them away until kind of the last, you know, latter half of the of the second half. So Xavier definitely maybe by their own doing has been a little bit more battle-tested. This Texas team – they they obviously took down a good a good Penn State team a hot Penn State team that made it all the way to the Big Ten championship game, um, but you know took care took care of business in that one. I think it's going to be I think the spread is about dead on. I think Texas is going to going to just ever so slightly squeak this one out. I, I just trust Texas's defense a little bit more than you know. Xavier is scoring 80 some points a game, but they're giving up almost 75 points a game. Right. So I, I think Texas on the flip side, they're scoring almost 80 points, but they're only giving up about 67 points a game. Mm-hmm. So I just think Texas going to get enough stops down the stretch 
to to come out with a a close close victory for for Texas and move on to the Elite yeah. Eight. Well, you know, for for a lot of the same reasons you just talked about in my actual bracket, mm-hmm. I picked Texas to knock off Xavier. But mm-hmm. watching these teams these last couple of weeks, especially watching Texas play against Penn State, that defense was kind of Swiss cheese against Penn State. Mm-hmm. Those, those guys were getting wide open threes. Mm-hmm. They were able to drive to the lane. Yeah. I, I couldn't couldn't kind of believe my eyes because I, I was kind of thinking Texas was a really great defensive team. Right, and right. The, the fact that they, they weren't playing up to par, I, I don't know what was missing, what was going on. Maybe right. they just took Penn State too lightly. Mm-hmm. But judge, just judged by the way both these teams have been playing, in my bracket I got Texas, but I, I think Xavier can pull an upset here. All right, yeah, well. The crazy thing about that is in one of my other brackets, other bracket challenge that I'm in, I actually picked Xavier to win the whole, the whole darn thing. So we'll see, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens if I'm smart or, you know, dumb in that right. sense. But yeah, this, I think it's going to be one of the better games of the, of the weekend or of the week, I guess. Um, so if that's the case, you know, Houston, you know, Xavier or Texas, you know, depending on who you got, who, who do you think moves on in that, in that matchup? Yeah. Um, and like you were saying in this one, you thought, Texas could win because of their defense. Right. I think in that in that next matchup, I right. think Houston wins because of their defense. Right. Their, their defense is just too good. They'll mm-hmm. be able to hold both these teams down. Right. They'll be able to do enough to get the job done. Right. Which uh, you know, good for good for Houston. I, I agree. I think Houston. You know, their their defense is just too stifling for for either one of those two teams. Uh, they 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 just do a great job at at suffocating you, limiting you to one shot, and and great for Houston because not only do they get to move on to a Final Four. But the final four is in Houston. Oh, man. What 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 better yeah. you know way to be able to play somewhat pretty much a home game at that point, um, you know, and 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 have you know thousands of fans behind you in that sense. It's it's going to be great for for that team that's been been in this tournament the you know the last several years and has made some some deep runs, just has not been able to get over the hump and and get to kind of the the national championship, get to the final four. Uh, so we'll see if this team can can get it done. I like their chances in this one. We'll see what uh, how how it plays out. Yeah. Well, moving over then to the to the west side, um, like Matt said, the first game, which is already happening, uh, number eight Arkansas, twenty two and thirteen, going up against number four Connecticut. I'll just say now, I like UConn. They're up forty six twenty nine and a half. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I I will say before the show started, I picked UConn to win, <laughs> not only well. for my bracket's sake, but I really do like this UConn team. UConn team, they. Uh, they're playing over T-Mobile Arena out in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, coming into the game, Connecticut was favored by four points. Um, you know, I just, yeah, this Connecticut team really, they they haven't looked great in the first half, but mm-hmm. in the second half when it really matters, they come out and light the world on fire. Opposite is happening right now. Right, we'll yeah. see, if see if that what, holds up. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the in the second, you know, second half of that game. But yeah, like I said, Connecticut currently out, you know, up on top of, of Arkansas. But yeah, this team just... Uh, a great rebounding team, you know, averaging a little over 12 offensive rebounds uh, per game, uh, you know, good for first in the Big East. So I just think too much height, too much, you know, uh, kind of bully ball for, for UConn. Uh, I think, you know, Arkansas unfortunately takes takes a loss here and, and, and gets put out, you know, just falling short of uh, the Elite Eight there for them. So then the uh, second game out in the West, we got the number three seed Gonzaga, 30 and five, going up against number two UCLA at 31 and five. Another game that I got, you know, circled on the list here that I think is going to be absolute fireworks, going to be great. Um, both somewhat West Coast teams, so I think the crowd is going to be somewhat evenly split. split. Yeah. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. Obviously, they'll be on after the UConn game is over. Last time I checked, Vegas has got UCLA favored by a point and a half. Mm-hmm. So, you know, almost a, almost a pick'em game at this point. 
Matt, who do you who do you think comes out on top in that UCLA Gonzaga game? Well, I will say I, I misspoke earlier when I said I had UConn in the Final Four. I actually have Gonzaga in my Final okay, Four. Okay. So yeah, clearly I'm I'm picking Gonzaga on okay. this one, but it's because of their offense. Mm-hmm. They're all, this offense has been awesome all mm-hmm. season long. Mm-hmm. They're averaging in the high 80s yep. every single game. Yeah, I just I don't see UCLA slowing them down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw in the second round there, UCLA against Northwestern, they were only able to put up 68 points. Mm-hmm. You know, if they have an off night like that against Gonzaga, game over. Yeah, yeah. It, it, this is a team that obviously, it's again, it's going to be offense versus defense, like you said. Gonzaga comes into this game averaging almost 90 points a mm-hmm. game. Uh, UCLA comes into it, they're, they're averaging, you know, a modest 74, mm-hmm. but they're only giving up about 60 points a game. So, again, UCLA relies a lot on that defense, and obviously Gonzaga relies a lot, you know, on their on their offense. So who gets the better of the matchups? I, I like Gonzaga in this one as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just think not enough offense for 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 the Bruins there, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries as well. I think it finally catches up to them against a team uh, in Gonzaga that's always, you know, always here in March and always, you know, somewhat playing well. Uh, they got a big man by the name of Drew Timmy that you know household name that everybody knows uh, that. It's going to be a tough one for for you know UCLA to, to match up with. I don't know if they're, they're going to have an answer for him. I like the Bulldogs to to, to get it done, uh, but a, a close game, I think. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, if that's the case, UConn Gonzaga. What do you think, Matt? Who who do you like to move on to the Final Four? Well, right. you I, somewhat already <laughs> picked it, but I, I did, but I didn't right. because in my bracket I've got Gonzaga. But judging by the way these teams have been playing this mm-hmm. tournament, yeah, UConn is absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. They're they're playing great basketball, right? Uh, dominating teams in the second half. Mm-hmm. And if if they're putting together two halves today, right? Look I, out! Yeah, I don't know that anybody can beat them right. playing right. like that. Yeah. So you know, I I got UConn okay. knocking Gonzaga off, and what's probably going to be. An a epic great, battle. a great game, yeah, and and I think for me, I, I like UConn as well. Not only for my bracket's sake, but I like this UConn team. Like I've mentioned before, uh, they got you know some great guards, but you know some good big men as well. And it seems like the teams that Gonzaga has struggled with this year has been guys or you know teams that have great guards. They they mm-hmm. this Gonzaga team turns the ball over more than what we're used to seeing out of a Gonzaga team. I think the guards from UConn are going to cause a little bit of problems for for Gonzaga. I like UConn to to get it done, but another game that I got circled this weekend to to watch because I think it's going to be going to be an epic one, an epic battle. But I like the Huskies to move on to a Final Four, a, a team that hasn't been there for for a little while. It's been you know kind of a rocky slate for the for the UConn team that used to be one of those kind of blue bloods or household names that we were used to seeing when it came March, but has, you know, fallen on a little bit of, of dark times here recently, but uh, you know, good, good to see them back. Um, we'll, we'll see what they can, what they can do. And uh, yeah, I like their chances to, to get to that final four. Yep. All right. Well, last, last region we're going to talk about here. Uh, that's the East region that has been a complete mess. Um, and, and I think we somewhat talked about it when we previewed this, that this was going to be the tough, the tough bracket. Um, just because there were so many good teams and uh, that that played so well in the in the regular season and it, it it played out in this in this region, but like I said, first game that's on the slate, uh, you know, that's already kicked off. That's number seven, Michigan State, twenty one and twelve coming into it. It's number three, Kansas State at twenty five and nine. Again, two surprise teams that I don't think too many people at the beginning of the season or even you know maybe partway through the season saw them being here, but. Here they are, uh, you know, coming into this game, actually Michigan State, even being the lower seed, was actually favored by two points. Um, and, I, and I'll admit, I had Michigan State winning this winning this game. I didn't, you know, for my bracket, this whole East region, I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing right. left. Nothing left. <laughs> um, 
So at this point, I'm just, you know, picking picking who I truly think is going to win the game. I, I picked Michigan State. Again, this team is playing well come March time. They, they've looked really good. Um, when they needed a bucket, they're able to get that bucket. When mm-hmm. they need a stop, they get that stop. Um, I like this Michigan State team, you know, obviously with, with Tom Izzo under the bright lights in New York and Madison Square Garden. You know, obviously Kansas State, first-year head coach. I like the experience in Michigan State to, to get it done, but this game is is turning out to be a heck of a heck of a good one. Right. Well, watching that right now, and I know you're all going to call me a fair weather or, or a, a picker on who's winning right now, but I'm going with Kansas State. They're up 75-70 right now, about five to go. Mm-hmm. But the reason I'm picking them is because I've been watching them all tournament. Mm-hmm. They they can hit the three ball. Mm-hmm. They they live and die by it, and when they're hitting it. Good. It, yeah, yeah. They, they're they're playing great with it, mm-hmm. and in this game, watching what I've seen so far, they're they're on fire from behind the three point mm-hmm. line. That's that's a big point part of why they're up five right now. Yeah, I, I think Michigan State's got a little bit of tired legs. Mm-hmm. That defense has just been playing on adrenaline these these first two first two games. That Marquette game was just an absolute battle. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if they've got enough legs left mm-hmm. to, to get it done here. Right. right. So I, I think Kansas State's going to end up winning it because of their three point shooting mm-hmm. and. I think they've got a little more legs. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see who they who they match up with then. The last uh, last game in that region, number nine, Florida Atlantic at thirty three and three, going up against number four, Tennessee, and twenty five and ten. Like I said, going to be on this on this channel on this uh, TV right after this Michigan State game wraps up in Madison Square Garden, Vegas. Uh, last time I checked, had Tennessee favored by five points. So. You know, even as as well as Tennessee looked in the game against Duke or, you know, has looked in this tournament, Vegas isn't too, you know, not ready to, you know, put them as a lock to to win the game. This Florida Atlantic team obviously knocked off Memphis on a buzzer beater in the first round and then beat the Cinderella team in fairly high Dickinson in the in the second round. But uh Matt, who who do you think, you know, who do you like in this matchup, uh, you know, between Tennessee and Florida Atlantic? You know, I, I like Tennessee and I, I think they win it fairly easily. That defense, like I said, have been stifling. They they held Duke to 52 points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this Florida Atlantic team, they barely beat Memphis, struggled to beat them by one, mm-hmm. and then took everything they had to beat Fairleigh Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it ended up being 78-70, but mm-hmm. that game was back, back and, and forth, forth. Yeah. all game long. Right. And Fairleigh Dickinson just wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. And that was a team who wasn't even supposed to be in the tournament. <laughs> right, right. So, you, you know, I just I, I don't think Florida Atlantic has enough to, mm-hmm. to beat this this t- Tennessee team that's yeah. just playing phenomenal defense right now. Yeah, I think uh, obviously if Tennessee comes out and plays as physical and as good as they did against Duke, uh, I think they, they've got a real shot here to to beat Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, I just don't think that, yeah, that it, Florida Atlantic has the depth, has the guys to really keep up with a, with a physical battle like that. Uh, as far as the, the height and size goes, you know, this Tennessee team, not only are they, are they tall, but they got those guys that are long, they got long arms. They got, you know, some length there as well. That really causes some trouble on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I like, I like Tennessee to, to get it done in this one and, uh, you know, play, you know, winner of this Michigan state, Kansas state game, which in my mind was Michigan state matching up against Tennessee. Uh, you know, Matt, obviously like, like Kansas state in that one. Matt, who do you who do you think if, if you know Kansas State, Michigan State versus Tennessee? Who who do you who do you who do you like in that matchup to go to the Final Four? Yeah, no, I'm sticking with what I actually picked in my bracket. Right. I, I'd like uh, Tennessee to play Alabama here in the Final Four. Okay, I, defense wins championships, mm-hmm. and this Tennessee defense has played great all season long. Yeah, I think they keep playing great. They make it to the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the same for me. I think uh, you know 
obviously, like I said, had Michigan State winning that game against Kansas State. If they are able to win, I still think that they they the, the magic runs out. They they fall short of a Final Four run. Um, this Tennessee team, yeah, again, is just playing so good on the defensive side of the ball. I just I think that they're going to be you know suffocating. Michigan State shoots the three ball themselves pretty pretty well, um, but uh, I, I just think Tennessee again with that length with that size cause a lot of problems on the on the, you know shooting the perimeter ball. I think Tennessee gets it gets it done. But, but um, Tennessee better beware and not be overconfident because right, they're right. playing a nine. Right. You know because in Tennessee in tournament time does have a bad history of losing games they right. shouldn't lose. Right. So, yeah. you, you know, anything can happen. But. Yeah, because, I mean, as well as this team plays on the defensive side of the ball, their offense is not very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they only scored 58 in their first-round game, and, yeah, they, they held Duke to 52, but Tennessee only scored 65. So right. it wasn't even like they really set the world on fire. Uh, they just played really great on the defensive side. So this team at times, you know, even with the defense playing as well as it does, their offense at times since tends to be, you know, really bad. Mm-hmm. And even in a defensive battle, it can be the difference of one bucket. Right. And obviously if Michigan State or, you know, Kansas State or whatever, they got guys that can actually score and, and can consistently mm-hmm. score. So if it comes down to a one or two bucket game, you know, I like the other teams just because Tennessee at times their offense struggles, cold. you know, yeah. struggles. So We'll see, but uh, yeah, it, it's gonna be gonna be exciting. Uh, see who who gets to you know go to Houston and, and play in that you know illustrious Final Four, and you know which two teams we'll be talking about later on to play in the national championship. Mm-hmm. So a lot of great basketball still ahead of us. So we're we're looking forward to it. So um, stick stick with us. We're gonna keep talking about March Madness. You know the next the next coming weeks. So. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up the show for tonight. We uh, Thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, just a little shout out. This is actually our 100th episode we've ever wow. recorded. So it, it's hard to believe that, you know, about two years ago that we, you know, started this, uh, you know, started this thing. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, uh, a little over two years, like I said, uh, still still doing it, still loving every every minute of it. So, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different uh, social medias. At uh, You can find us on Instagram if you search for Fired Up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for Fired Up comma sports podcast. And as always, if you head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com, you can find all of our past episodes and, you know, just a little bit of information about the show. Um, and, you know, if you want to find this episode and past episodes, you can also find us over on various different podcast platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, uh, anywhere where you can listen to a podcast, you can find our show. So appreciate y'all listening. And as always, stay fired up. up.